Okay, one, two, three. Lock the doors and bar the windows. Zombies are at old man handles. Everyone is running, screaming. Praying God, they're all dreaming. See the tide of death before us. Dropping goblins, fresh and Now they're breaking into the house. In the cellar, quiet as a mouse. Welcome to the Zomcast, a podcast for all things zombie, with your hosts, Dustin of the Dead and Patrick O'Deadly. Good evening. This is episode number three for December 8th, 2006. I am Dustin. And I'm Patrick. And this is our Christmas episode. Merry Christmas. And a Happy New Year? Not yet. After the Zomcast news, we're going to have the first part of an original story by none other than Raphael Tehan. And then we're going to have a section for gift ideas for that hard-to-get zombie lover. And then we're going to end with whatever. So, let's get on with this. The Zomcast News. All websites mentioned in this podcast will have links in these notes. Also, take note of the new links uh, for these great zombie websites we have. Zombie Fans, Zombies Don't Run, and Zombie Lores. And now to the movie news. You know, it looks like there's a few new pictures out there behind the scenes material of George Romero's new project called Diary of the Dead. They can be found at Bloody Disgusting, Dead Central, Fangoria, Eat My Brains, and Homepage of the Dead. Lee Carr from Homepage of the Dead even visited the set. A trailer for the independent film called Biophage, or Biophage, can be viewed at the movie website. Biophage is a post-apocalyptic undead film that explores the meaning of humanity when all external controls have been removed. There is not a release date for this movie, but uh, it says the DVD will be out soon. The next movie sounds so unbelievably great. Dead and Deader premieres on the Sci-Fi Channel December 16th, according to Fangoria's article, chronicling an infection which threatens to transform humanity into shambling ghouls, blah, 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 you know, all those things. Who cares? It's a zombies film, so watch it. It is said to be a mix of 48 hours meets Dawn of the Dead, a zombie, if you will. <laughs> if, you've <laughs> if you've seen the... What the fuck did I write? If you've seen the... If you, okay. If you've seen the latest atrocity, I mean the version of Night of the Living Dead 3D, but was not happy with it, then go to Angry Aliens and watch their latest 30-second uh, cartoon adaption of it. It is done by bunnies. Cute, lovable bunnies. And if bad remakes of a great classic was not bad enough, Creature Corner reports that someone is putting out a family-friendly version of Night of the Fuck Living Dead. So you can gather the kitties together next Halloween and watch this adulterated classic as done by the bastards that brought you Barney. No, honey. The zombies in this movie don't eat people. They tickle you to death instead. Raccoon City News has a status report and behind-the-scene footage of the upcoming movie, Resident Evil Extinct... Extinct... 
<laughs> is that extinction, is what you're saying? Oh, okay. So, moving on. There is a great nuclear family, 1950s-style survival film on YouTube.com called What Do You Do in Case of a Zombie Attack? It is a great little work of art that shows you just how to leave it to Beaver would have handled a zompocalypse. On comic news, Zombie, the online Flash cartoon, is taking pre-orders for their upcoming illustrated novel adaption of their popular cartoon. Also, there's a new comic strip for it called Breathless. There's also a free online comic strip called The Talking Dead. That, those links will be in this notes. Oh, gosh, a group of zombies have risen up to claim the city of Minneapolis and Hennepin County violated their free rights and discri discriminated against them. The six adults and one juvenile who were arrested while impersonating the undead in July filed their lawsuit Thursday. The ragged group were arrested for simulating weapons of mass destruction during a dance party near the Minneapolis Entertainment District. Police allege that wires protruding from the zombies' backpacks could have been bombs or were meant to imitate bombs. Oh, if yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh, oh, gosh, it's bad news. It was later learned the wires were actually radios. Oh, that's really bad, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like, hello. We'll have, we'll, have, we'll have a link to the rest of that article in this notes. Since we're not going to have a gaming section, we're going to go ahead and just tell this little bit of zombie gaming news. I wanted to mention a couple of websites that center around Eden Studios' All Flesh Must Be Eaten role-playing game. The first is the All Flesh Must Be Eaten forum. The second is Old Lord Skull, which is a, an online gaming community serving northwest Indiana. Even if you don't live in that area, there's still a lot to offer on this website, like articles, adventures, sound bites, and game stats for all the All Flesh Must Be Eaten role-playing game. Not only that, but you can download a free copy of the book Carols of the Dead, a collection of living dead Christmas carols for the zombie file. <laughs> there was written. Uh, they were written by Dave, uh, Dan Davis. Sorry, I got a little excited. <laughs> AKA SJV, who was uh, was also very kind to us, used them on our show. So thank you, Dan. That's why, right, bitches, you can download it. Yo, what up? Other zombie news. Do you like MySpace, but just don't feel it has enough appreciation for the undead? Well, no. I don't know. I guess yeah. Well. Do not despair, my friends. ZombieFriends.com has a solution for you. Really? ZombieFriends is like social networking for the undead. Oh, my God. Zomcast has a Zombie Friends page. So Damn. What you, so what are you waiting for? I don't know. And that's it for the Zomcast news. And now for the weather with Dead Like Emily. What? It's my cold outside. Expect some snow, maybe sleep. You don't fight zombies, just warm. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Who, what? You know what? And that is it for the Zomcast News. What? Zomcast News is brought to you by no one because Dustin pissed off our last sponsor. Come with me into the dark. Welcome to Into the Dark with Computer Kitten. This is H.R. Tucker. Listen to me delve into the darkest of themes and ideas, discuss dark items in the media, and disclose dark poems and fiction you've probably never seen before. I'm usually alone, but sometimes the computer king comes out to play. Beware, dark times ahead. For more information, go to www.computerkingonline.com. Okay, ready? Oh, oh, you <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you better watch out, you better go hide, you better not shout, I'm telling you.
We have a special, special treat for you out there. A wonderful, generous guy named Raphael Tan wrote a story called The Stench. And we're going to have the first part of it uh, today on the Zomcast. This story is read by none other than Sarah Finn of the podcast Does My Geek Look Baconness, which you should be listening to that podcast. So. It was The Stench that first made them aware something was wrong. Her very first flat, paid for entirely with cash. A fantastic investment on a leafy street in a super part of town with great values and a fab future. Steph felt that kind of pride which is dangerously close to being smug as she pushed open the front door with her knee and hobbled into the sitting room with her moving box past Tim, who had long since finished hooking up the satellite and had seemingly become obsessed with ensuring that each and every channel was coming through one at a time. Get up, you lazy pillock, she said, dropping the box with the others. We've still got the rest of the van to empty out. Tim groaned melodramatically and heaved himself out of his chair. I'm knackered out, Steph. We've been at it all day. Let's leave it till tomorrow. And have the entire contents mixed? Wouldn't make a great start in our new home, would it? I thought you said this was a good neighbourhood. It is, but the lock's broken on the rear doors. Really? Possibly my cousin isn't the most reliable source for borrowing vehicles, then. Come on. All right. It wasn't until twilight that Steph found herself crossing the tiny little front garden with the very last box of the complete collection of her entire worldly goods. I'm famished, she said to Tim as she stepped back inside. Go get us something to eat, would you? I saw a curry house down the street. Best we try it sooner than later, I guess. I hope it's better than the one at our last place. I didn't move from the toilet for a week. Charming. When he was gone, she poured herself a bath, lit some aromatherapy candles, and soaked the day's toils away. She'd read somewhere that moving house was one of the five most stressful things to do in life, right in there with divorce and nuclear war. That seemed a bit excessive, really, but then again, she felt like she'd been breaking land speed records with Richard Hammond, so perhaps there was something in the report. After her bath, she trudged through all the rooms in her bare feet, just to relish the feel of real wood floors. She owned them now, so she supposed they wouldn't mind. It was while she was making her tisane that the stench set in. At first she thought something was wrong with the drink. Hang on, it's never smelt like that before. But as the stench grew in intensity, it became quickly obvious that no tisane, no matter how dreadful, could produce an odour as vile as what she was smelling. It only took a moment of rushing about the house, simultaneously testing the air and gagging, to discover where it was strongest. Tucked away under the staircase, almost unnoticeable, was a little three-quarter-height door that led down to what was evidently a cellar. 
Although she dimly recalled the estate agent pointing it out to her, Steph had completely forgotten her new flat even had a cellar. Now, with the stench oozing from the drawer's cracks, she wished it didn't exist at all. She tentatively took her hand from her mouth to test the air once more, just to be sure the stench really was strongest here, then slapped it back just as quickly as she doubled over in agony. Oh, God! For a brief instant, it was all she could do just to stand there and force her stomach not to empty itself on the spot. Then she was running for the front door as fast as her feet could carry her, throwing it open, rushing onto the front step, laying her hands on her knees as she gulped in the cool evening air as fast as her lungs would take it, purifying her lungs. Gradually, as her breathing slowed and the instinct to violently throw up gradually subsided, she became aware that Tim was standing on the path before her, takeaway bag in each hand and a bemused expression on his face. The truth's out now. Every time I leave the house, you stand outside in your knickers, luring impressionable young men into your lustful embraces. I think something's died in our cellar, Tim. Eh? We have a cellar? Yes, Tim, we have a cellar, and something's died in it, and it's producing the most awful stench. God, it's horrible. It was obvious from Tim's face as he stepped past her into the entry that he found her claims extremely dubious. Let's have a look, then. He set down the takeaway bags and marched sort of aimlessly towards the kitchen. Not that way, under the staircase. He turned for the staircase. You'll want to cover your nose, she called after him. Trust me. He didn't. He just strode up to the little cellar door and stuck his nose right up to the seam at the door's edge. Seth's eyes widened incredulously as Tim took a couple of great breaths, inhaling deeply. Oh, come on. It was so powerful, I nearly vomited. He shrugged. I don't smell anything. Wait, no, I smell that funny tea of yours. Tisane. Tisane, I don't smell any dead things, Steph. That's ridiculous. She took a few tentative steps towards him, still covering her nose with her hand. Tim stood patiently as she summoned up the courage to test the air. To her disbelief, he'd been telling the truth. Aside from the faint fragrance of her rapidly cooling tisane, there was no odour of any kind in the air. See, I'm not taking the mix, Steph. No dead things. I didn't make it up, Tim. Something crawled into our cellar and died, and the stench was so horrible that I nearly passed out. It was the most awful thing I've ever smelled. Go down there and look. Me? Why me? Because I told you to. Please, Tim. He grumbled under his breath a lot, but he did open the door slightly and poke his head through. I still don't smell anything, his headless body said. Tim! Right, right, I'm going. Oh, delightful. There's no light switch. Excellent. It's going to be dark. He left the door slightly ajar, the sound of his footsteps slowly feeling their way down the steps marked his descent. Steph peered into the gloom of the stairwell, but could make nothing out in the darkness. Do you see anything? His muffled voice wafted up the staircase. Nothing. It's pitch bloody black. Do we have a torch? Uh, I don't know. A crash came from somewhere below, followed by a great bellow of pain from Tim. You bloody, bleeding, bloody... Bastard! Ow! What happened? Tim pounded up the stairs, clutching his forearm. Tim, what happened? There was some old cradle or something, and I stumbled into it, and a blasted thing cut me. I guess it was dark. I couldn't see. Seth breathed in sharply as Tim pulled his hand away from his forearm, revealing a bloody gash. We'd better get you to hospital, she said, as she hurried up the stairs. I'll get dressed. 
Wonderful, Tim scowled. There was no bloody dead animal either, Steph, he shouted up at her retreating form. I need hardly add, he added under his breath. Steph stumbled down the stairs and into the kitchen, blinking blearily in the bright morning light. Tim was sitting at the kitchen table. How long have you been up? she asked as she fumbled with the French press. Dunno, I couldn't sleep. I was too tired to sleep. She sat down opposite him, gripping her coffee. That doesn't really make sense, you know. Here it does. You can be too exhausted to sleep, I know. It happened to me last night. He was staring at his coffee mug with a pouting expression. You look grey, she said. It happens when you have to queue in line for six hours in the night to get a needle poked in you because your significant other has forced you to stumble around in a dark cellar looking for dead things that aren't there. She forced herself not to roll her eyes, then nearly leapt out of a chair in shock. The most hideous face was leering in at them from the back garden door. Can't your friends use the front door like sane people, she complained as she stormed over to the door and opened it. A bulky young man with dishevelled hair and a t-shirt depicting his fondness for American beer and NASCAR racing sorted in. There's a front door, Matt, she told him as he opened the refrigerator door without a word and peered inside. There's nothing in here, Matt complained. We had a late night, Tim replied, still sulking into his coffee mug. Matt shut the door with a little disappointed flourish, then turned an appraising eye on Tim. What's wrong with him? he asked Def. He's sulking. Oh. Matt wandered over to the couch, flipped on the PlayStation and began playing without a further word. Steph rolled her eyes and headed for the hallway. I'll leave you to your sulk then, she paused. But there was a stench. Tim didn't look up from his coffee. In a passion-filled, moving speech, Matt convinced him that familiarising themselves with the local pub was far more valuable than unpacking and Tim's half-hearted attempt to coerce Steph into joining them did not come across as particularly sincere. So she found herself alone again, hanging pictures on walls and laying out knick-knacks on the mantel. The lovely sun streaming in through the windows kept her mind from dwelling on the unpleasantness of the prior night, and actually she was glad that she was alone. The house was hers in its entirety, and it felt good to sort of commune with it in the silence. She was standing in the front room trying to figure out how to hold a frame picture up and drive an L into a wall at the same time when one of the floorboards creaked in the hallway. Tim, are you back? she called. She waited, but no answer came. She was about to shrug it off and return to her picture hanging when she heard another floorboard creak from somewhere near the stairs. Frowning, she stepped into the hallway, the picture forgotten in her hand. Then the stench hit her. It was worse this time than before, and it assaulted her senses like a physical blow. She dropped the painting, which fell to the floor with a shatter, as her hands went to her mouth reflexively. That's when she saw the cellar door, standing wide open. A terrible shudder of horror swept through her body. The open doorway seemed like a moor of malevolence, and the waves of stench bathed her body in an aura of putrescent sweetness that clung and wouldn't let go. Spots danced in her vision, and for a dreadful moment she thought she'd pass out. Then some spark flared inside her mind, a spark of rebellion, and almost without conscious thought she found herself rushing forward towards the source of the malevolence and hurling the door closed, her hands fumbling for the little slide bolt and driving it closed, driving the malevolence back down into the cellar.
from wherever it had come. Tim found her sitting on the step in the back garden, smoking a cigarette. I thought you'd quit. I did. I'll quit again too, just as soon as I steady my nerves. She turned her head and looked up into his eyes. I didn't imagine it, Tim. There is a terrible, terrible odour coming from that cellar, and it's evil. Something's very wrong down there. Tim opened his mouth to say something, and then seemed to think better of it. He let his breath out slowly. Shall I overlook then? She shook her head as she stood. Better not. I don't want you to hurt yourself again. He followed her back inside. Okay, right. Maybe it's just a draught. Maybe a draught is making the smell come and go, and it's a dead animal that's decaying, like you said. Why don't we have an exterminator round? At least I'll have a torch. Steph blinked. I never thought of that. Okay. I'll give him a bell tomorrow. She stopped short. A rather heavy form was filling up their sofa, snoring softly. She turned to Tim, who shrugged apologetically. Matt was kicked out of his flat. He got a bit carried away with his Jedi training and put a hole in the wall. He's nowhere to go, Steph. She caught her sigh before it could escape her lips. Fine, fine, but not too many days, okay? Yeah, yeah, of course. Steph had reordered her work schedule such that she could devote three full weeks to bringing her new flat up to par, and while she was initially sceptical about being left alone when Tim went off for work the following morning, she soon forgot all about the cellar and its dreadful flighty stench. The first phase of her grand renovation plans involved the back garden, which she was confident she could transform into a leafy paradise in about four days, despite having no gardening experience whatsoever. Could it really be so difficult to stuff a few plants in the ground and lay a few dozen paving slabs? She was inspecting the garden shed and its mysterious bottles of garden centre brand weed killers when the doorbell sounded. A man in an exterminator's smock and a toolkit was standing at the door as she opened it. He took a moment to cast a leisurely glance down her body and back again before he spoke. Here for the dead animal, darling, he said with a winking leer. I don't know if it's a dead animal, she replied, ignoring his tone, but whatever it is, it's down in the cellar. She gestured for him to precede her down the hall, towards the door under the stairs, knowing where his eyes would be if she led the way. He stood in front of the cellar door, grinning at her expectantly until she opened it for him. He peered into the stairwell. No light? No. He pulled an electric torch from his tool belt and switched it on. Good thing I've come well equipped, eh? She ignored his tone again. It was just better to. Steph stood at the top of the stairs as he descended. Hunkering down under a low ceiling, he disappeared into the cellar below. Do you smell anything? She called after a moment. No, came the reply. But it's a bloody mess down here. There's broken crates and all. Steph was starting to get the feeling that the stench reserved its aroma for her nose and her nose alone. It's quite strong, she called down, but it does come and go. She could hear the exterminator clattering about, manoeuvring around the crates. Hello, what's this? she heard him say. Did you find something? she called. Well, there's some kind of hole or, or doorway or something in the wall that's been boarded up, but... Hang on a tick, these boards look rotted and... Ugh! What is it? she asked anxiously. Ugh! Oh, that's horrible. Sweet Jesus. A part of her was almost relieved to hear him retching. 
It meant the stench was real, after all, not some twisted figment of her imagination. Whatever's making that smell, it's got to be big, he said, still audibly trying to control his retching. I'm going to have to pull some of these boards off to see. Right, please, she answered. Whatever you need to do. She could hear the sounds of the rotting old boards breaking as he pulled them off. Cool, that's a right old reek, that is, and... He broke off mid-sentence. Hello? she called. Are you all right? His voice when he answered was more muffled now, as if he had leaned his head into a more enclosed space. What in the world? It seems like this is... He went silent again for the second time, but before Steph could inquire, the air was rent with a terrific scream of agony, and then another one, followed by a series of crashes. Help! Help! the exterminator cried out. Oh, my God! She crashed down the stairs recklessly, her heart pounding, too recklessly, for she stumbled on the third to last step and fell forward scattering off the stairwell and colliding painfully with a small stack of crates at the bottom of the stairs. She rolled shakily to her feet, still dazed, and for a brief instant she thought the fall was making her hallucinate, for there were forms in the cellar, casting great looming shadows along the whitewashed stone walls and the low ceiling, bobbing and flickering in the light from the exterminator's fallen torch. She blinked and clutched her forehead as blood trickled forth into her eyes and thrust out her hand to keep from tripping over. Through her blurry vision she could still see forms, human forms, and she blinked trying to bring them into focus. But her vision was knocked askew, and the blood trickling into her eyes made her swimming vision even more obscured. And then the exterminator's torch went out, and she was plunged into thick darkness. This podcast is a part of the Zombie Podcast Network. And now, gift ideas for the hard-to-buy zombie lover. Need to buy a gift for that hard-to-please freak-ass zombie fan, but do not want to deal with the mall or feel old by walking in this hot topic? Well, we are here to help you along, and with the style Fangoria's, Gore Store has plenty of fashionable zombie fan apparel alike. Alike the Z-Raid style jacket. Zombie Emergency Response Operations, Z-E-R-O, is tasked with eliminating the zombie threat across the USA. This navy blue police raid style jacket with two-sided yellow print is standard fuel uniform during local raids on undead strongholds. to the end. Bright yellow zombie... Fuck this description. It is way too long. It's a windbreaker with yellow print on both sides. Or the Zombie Hunter Military Style Hoodie. Prepare yourself against the elements as you join your fellow elite zombie emergency response operators, or Zero, teammates against the War of the Undead. Black print on 50-50 cotton, olive drab, long sleeve, hooded sweatshirt. Zombie Exterminating Service Workshirt. We know just how to deal with those pesky zombie infestations at Uncle George's Zombie Exterminated Service. We've been putting them out of your misery since 1968. Classic retro-fitted style ad printed on white and black for 50-50 thickies. Two-pocket button front black work shirt. Small logo printed right on front above left pocket. What the fuck was that? I have no idea. And now for the ladies. Zombie Girl Baby Doll Style T-Shirt. It's a zombie girl's world, and we're all just unliving in it. 
deceptively cute design belies a truly sinister intent. What's more disturbing about it, the zombie girl herself, or the fact that she's rendered in a simply childlike manner? And in pink, no less. Whatever, we know you'll love this 100% cotton American apparel, black baby doll tee with a pink art on front. So go over to Fangoria's Gore Store and check out their zombie apparel. Ready? And dashing through the hall with a shotgun in my hand, trying to find a place to make my final stand. Zombies on the way, I hear them drawing near. Their moans echo from every place, and now I'm filled with fear. Hey! Zombies here, zombies there, zombies all around. Almost out of ammo, and there's nothing to be found. Zombies here, zombies there, zombies all around. Almost out of ammo, and there's nowhere to be found. A day or two ago, I thought I'd hit the mall. I picked up my girl Jill, and then my best friend Paul. It wasn't in the road, I hit it with my truck. We crashed into a drainage ditch, and now we're surely stuck. Zombies here, zombies there, zombies all around. Almost out of ammo, and there's nowhere to be found. <laughs> okay, we're on. Hello. I don't believe you. We're not on. See, it's on. No, we're not. Yes, we are. Whatever. So, anyway. Oh. Thank you, everyone. This is the end of the show. Thank you for joining us for the Christmas episode of the Zomcast. Yep. Um, I'd like to apologize to Juan. He actually recorded an email question for us, but I lost it. Was that Juan or Juan? Juan. Oh, Juan. I remember him. <laughs> Um, I'd like to welcome our new cast members um, to the Zomcast. We have Patrick O'Deadly. Whose hot sweet ass is sitting right over here. <laughs> dead, dead like Emily. That would be me. And we have Mortem Christie, a.k.a. Mrs. of the Dead. What'd you call me? Yeah. Um, She's a sharp tool, huh? I would... <laughs> you heard her with a shotgun in the promo. I'd be careful. I should. <laughs> What's wrong with your head? Nothing. I would like to thank the following podcasts for supporting us and playing our promos. That would be Does My Geek Look Big in This? Yeah. Into the Dark. That's right, dog. Gamer the Podcast. Shit. And Lips the Aliens. Bitches. <laughs> Shit. You know they're girls. Bitches. <laughs> Um, Zomcast doesn't support Patrick O'Deadly's comments about that. Bitches. <laughs> Patrick wants me to also apologize to zombiewalk.com for talking smack about zombie walks. Oh, yeah, remember that? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I have to say, I don't support zombie walks, so... Uh, Hell, I bet they remember it. Mm, ouch. <laughs> I don't care if I'm actually going to participate in Oklahoma's first zombie walk. So. Oh. <laughs> Thank you again, uh, Dan Davis, for use of those Christmas carols. That's right, dog. <laughs> Next, uh, in one week of this podcast, we're going to have a bonus episode Woo! with two short stories and two fake commercials. Yeah. One of the short stories is by the Fried Geek. He is awesome. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing, Patrick? I don't know. <laughs> and one is written by our own Patrick O'Deadly. Prepare to be disappointed. <laughs> <sighs> 
We are very, very drunk. <laughs> drunk? Who's drunk? What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, man. We're going to uh, watch a movie right after this called The Stink of Flesh, which is meant to have survived the zombie holocaust to eventually yeah. using his ever-present hammer. <laughs> It's guaranteed to suck. Yeah. Absolutely. He must be Jesus. We're going to watch the extras and <laughs> yeah. cry a lot. We're going to do a review sometime in the future of a movie we watched last and week called... hopefully it won't hurt you as much as it hurts us. <laughs> the Dead Next Door. Woo! Awful. When Absolutely. The, when the outtakes are better than the movie itself. Which doesn't happen too often, except in movies that are cheap. Anyway, everyone have a good night. Aim for the head or run really fast. Wear heavy gloves if you're going to punch zombies. <laughs> Make sure you dress warm if you're going to go kill zombies out in the cold. Righteous. This is Dustin and the Dead. Patrick O'Deadly. And Dead Like Emily. And Mrs. of the Dead. That's me. <laughs> We're the Zombcast. Bye. Shazam. <laughs> Shazam? This is not my husband.